This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. We've got a great show coming up for you today. We're going to have our usual uh, local news with Ren and a campus newscast by me. But we've also got some very special guests in the studio today. We've got Tim Van Schmidt from It's About Rock and Roll, which is a beautiful collection of rock and roll photography taken over the last 20 years. After that, we've got an interview with Neil from Denver Film Society about the Denver Film Society's first screenings in Fort Collins. Um, we're going to do our national days and we're going to do our weather. So it's going to be a very exciting show today. Uh, if any of that interests you, stick around. Um, in the meantime, we do have a quitter, uh, Twitter question for our fans. Um, and this is directly from Tim. What is your favorite concert experience? If you have a concert experience you'd like to tell us about, text it into us at 970-491-5278 or tweet at us at, at KCSU. Once again, you can text at 970-491-5278 or tweet at, at KCSU. That is, what is your favorite concert you've been to? We'd love to hear uh, any great stories. We'll totally tell them on the air. Uh. All right, so we're going to kick it off with local news. So the city of Fort Collins has started turning away single-use plastics in an effort to be more time and cost efficient. Dylan Thomas from CBS Denver reports that items that items like frozen food trays and single-use cups like the kind used for iced coffee are no longer worth the cost of recycling, according to Jonathan Nagel, Senior Specialist for Environmental Compliance. Nagel offered an explanation for the changes due to companies who repurpose the materials starting to charge extra to obtain them. Now they pay nearly $800 to get rid of the recyclable materials and have just begun separating them from the recyclables and throwing them directly into the landfills due to them having no other option. Miguel stated that residents can help by not recycling these low-value plastics to minimize labor that would be required for workers to comb through all the recycling. Some of the things that are no longer accepted in recycling bins include, but are not limited to, plastic bags, coffee cups, soda cups, soda bottles, styrofoam, and batteries. Nagel's hope is to encourage Fort Collins to continue to recycle, but to make them aware of what is no longer recyclable. Nine News reports that the popular bar and restaurant Dr Drunken Monkey will be opening its doors for the last time on November 2nd. What? Yes. <laughs> the restaurant near Colorado State University's campus, located at 151 South College Avenue, will be closed at, closing at the beginning of the month after 14 years of service. One of the owners, Mike Campana, said that he sat down with the owners Chris Brown and Tony Campana and stated, we just kind of sat down, took a look at everything, and decided it was time. He went on to say, 14 years is one heck of a run. We're so appreciative. I'm going to miss that place. The swing chairs, it had a really, like, nice vibe for <laughs> I'm for a little bar. too young to have a lot of experience um, on campus bars, but... Fair enough. <laughs> they had these big uh, rope swing chairs all around That's the bar. pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Um, on a little more of a serious note, 10 years ago, a six-year-old boy took to the skies in a homemade hot air balloon as his parents sat by and watched terrified. Or so the world thought. Robert Sanchez, a senior staff writer with the 5280 magazine, published an in-depth look at the viral stunt dubbed as Balloon Boy. Sanchez spent several days with the family accused of performing the stunt. That moment that there was this balloon in the air, it was just so absurd. But the interesting thing, I thought, was that it was very a very unifying event, Sanchez said. People look at social media and TV as something that can tear people apart. But the Balloon Boy incident, at that moment when the balloon was in the air, when people thought six-year-old Falcon Heen was in there, it was a unifying moment. Sanchez claims the parents were attempting to start a television show with very little interest uh, from the public. 
According to Sanchez's story, the family made a plan to build a metallic craft-shaped balloon that was 20 feet wide and was constructed using 16 pie-shaped plastic sheets and two rolls of duct tape. A circular plywood basket was attached to the bottom of the balloon with string, wood, and more duct tape. Once the balloon was finished, six-year-old Falcon would pretend to get in the balloon and the father, Richard, would call authorities, faking concern until Falcon resurfaced. But instead, Falcon hid in the attic of the home's garage and then fell asleep. Various emergency personnel arrived at the home and followed the balloon for 50 miles as it whizzed throughout the air. The flight was broadcast across the country. It, event it eventually landed in a farm field. When authorities reached it, there was no boy inside. Falcon was soon was found soon after at the Heen's home. At some point, I really believe Richard and Miami thought that Falcon had been taken by the balloon because he was nowhere to be found, Sanchez said, and that's why it appeared so real when they saw the reunification with the parents. The parents left their plan in the hands of a six-year-old who didn't follow it to the letter, Sanchez said. The Heen parents hoped their story would go viral and gain attention for a science-based reality show that they had pitched to producers who filmed the couple's appearance on ABC's Wife Swap show in 2008. Sanchez wrote in the story. Suspicion on the story began arising when Falcon stated during a CNN interview, you had said we, that we did this for the show, to his father. An investigation then took place in the Heen house where Larimer County under... Under Sheriff Ernie Hudson said, there's absolutely no doubt in our mind that this was in fact a hoax. Authorities both locally and on the federal level, level spent at least $62,000 pursuing the balloon and searching for the boy. In court, Richard denied the hoax and still does, though he agreed to plead guilty to attempting to influence a public servant, which is a felony, to prevent Miami from being deported. Miami, who allegedly confessed the whole thing was a stunt, pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of false reporting. Richard served 90 days in prison starting on January 11th, 2010, and Miami served 20 days after his sentence ended. You forget that that happened here. Like, I remember when yeah. that happened. It, it was a pretty long time ago, but you forget that that was here. Yeah, that was in Fort Collins. I don't remember that, uh, but I have the worst memory in the world, so I was not in a eighth surprise. Grade. We were talking about it a lot. We'd have, like, big class discussions because at first, like, you know, everyone believed that this kid had gone in the balloon. And so we'd all sit down, and we, we had a really serious discussion about that. And then it turned out to be a hoax. So we, you well, know, it's also the huge school. thing was like, at first he was in the balloon, or they thought he was in the balloon, and they they couldn't find him. So they were like, did he fall out of the balloon? Like, where is this child? Like, where did he go? It is it is amazing what some people will do to get the attention of the world. Yeah, a yeah. little bit crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that uh, today, or I think last week marked the 10-year anniversary of that happening. Um, uh, in other news, according to KGAB, police in Fort Collins are continuing their investigation into a fatal collision that claimed the life of a, of a pedestrian on Friday. According to a post on the Fort Collins Police Service's Facebook page, the incident happened around 8.45 a.m. on October 11th when a gray 2005 Toyota minivan driven by 81-year-old Rosalie Perez from Fort Collins was westbound on West Harmony Road in the right lane. A man was crossing West Harmony from north to south, not using a crosswalk. The minivan hit the pedestrian in the 200 block of West Harmony. The man was taken to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. Police say speed and alcohol don't seem to have been factors in the crash, and the investigation is continuing. Anyone with information on the fatal collision is being asked to call Officer Ken Koski at 970-416-2229. Once again, the number is 970 
416-222-9. And that is your campus news. Thank you so much, Ren. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we're done with the break, we're going to come back and talk to Tim from It's About Rock and Roll, the awesome digital uh, music photography collection over the last 20 years. So don't go anywhere, folks. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter, and we are joined today by Tim from It's About Rock and Roll. Hello. Hi, Tim. Thanks doing, for... doing great. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming in. Yeah, definitely. So first off, do you want to tell us a little bit about your history with Colorado State University? I heard you were an alum of maybe something super specific to the show you're on right now. <laughs> well, let's say that I was... Uh, involved in KCSU in the early 90s, mm -hmm. and I did the concert calendar, <laughs> which kind of fits with what we're talking about, which yeah. is live music. Live music and radio. It's great. The person who does a concert calendar is uh, here in the office right now, and she thought it was super cool. Super to, cool, yeah. Here we had an alum. Does the, is the station exactly like you remember it? Has things oh, changed? Oh, not at all. This is nothing like the KCSU I remember. And that's probably a good thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's, what's the, uh, what's yeah, the difference? Yeah, like, what's the biggest change? Oh, well, let's see. I don't see any reel-to-reel -reel tape machines, which is what we used to produce programs at the time. Yeah, lucky us. <laughs> yeah. You've got streamlined equipment, and you've got great stuff here. Right on. So we'll, uh, we'll hop right into the interview here. Um, can you tell us a little about uh, what its rock and roll is and how you uh, came to decide you wanted to collect all these, this photography in one place? Well, the, what we're talking about is uh, I recently put up a new website, which uh, uh, I'm calling a muse museum of music because it illustrates uh, years and years and years of rock and roll photography that, that I've done through the local newspapers and through my own websites. And what I did was uh, I thought I would, um, I don't know, bring together the best of my photo career. And as I started doing that, I realized that uh, uh, an artist isn't always just good one year. <laughs> artists are good many times. And it turns out I've seen many of the artists that I've photographed uh, uh, over many tours. And so I decided to create a thing called a time capsule, which is a design using my original photos and uh, some memorabilia, like my photo passes, uh, to illustrate an artist's career over many years. It isn't just one moment. It isn't just one tour. It's many different moments in many years. Uh, I showed it to a friend of mine who called it uh, collages on steroids <laughs> and at first I was like hmm maybe that's not so good but that's kind of like what I feel rock and roll is like <laughs> it's definitely uh, can feel like it's on steroids sometimes that's for <laughs> sure um, I'm curious so you say you've been photographing these artists over long periods of time who do you think changed the most from the first time you shot them to the most recent time hmm well one example I could say is the Kings of Lyon uh, I photographed them very early in their career. They all had mustaches, <laughs> and it was a, a kind of a funny look at the time. And then several years later, I photographed them at Red Rocks. Totally different look, 
black leather, slick, you know, these guys had changed quite a bit, but uh, not their music so much. It was still, still rocking. Oh, yeah. So how did you become involved in covering musicians in the first place? Well, I always loved music, loved live music. I've, uh, the first article I published in the junior high newspaper was a review of a concert, and I just Which loved it. Uh, it was Grand Funk Railroad <laughs> <laughs> and Black Sabbath. It was Black oh. Sabbath's first appearance in Los Angeles. Wow. Anyway, so I'm writing, I'm writing, and over years, uh, I started writing about music here in Fort Collins for various newspapers, and uh, at some point, someone offered me a photo pass. I think it was for Eric Clapton, an Eric Clapton concert, and uh, I thought about it for about a second and a half and said, <laughs> yes, I'll take it. So I became a photographer, and from then on, I got more and more photo passes and it kind of builds on itself yeah, it seemed like it worked out for you yeah big, <laughs> and it's also big fun you know for a couple of songs anyway you get to be right up front and get the best shots possible and then they get you out <laughs> <laughs> but hey you get to be that close to these awesome musicians yeah yeah and it sounds like almost watch them grow as performers which is a really cool insider perspective for such a like personal performance that is live music it is but that's the advantage of being a, I guess advantage of, of being a live music fan over many many years is I just keep going <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing them and uh, and I, I like the changes that happen oftentimes so um, what kind of perspective do you think that your photos can give that film may not give or taking or like listening to a recording of a live show may not give Hmm. Well, their faces and what the what uh, what they project through their presence. Now, one of the things that I like to do, uh, oftentimes, uh, it's great to get a close up of somebody at the mic. You know, you're very very close. But one of the things I purposely try to do is to pull back and take a photo of the performer from head to toe, and get a a, a view of what that person looks like totally you know <laughs> this is what they are on stage so uh, uh, I like to I like the close-ups but I, I would prefer to show the whole performer and oftentimes their body language their facial expressions all that says something above and beyond the music itself yeah so I was looking at your website a little bit and you wrote in a note um, to the readers that you thought your pieces just captured uh, performances a little better than just an individual picture could. And I wondered if you thought that it even could go as far as to say that your pieces showcase a performer's individuality more personally than videos can? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I think it's a different kind of uh, expression uh, you know f uh, still pictures are are frozen in the moment kind of thing and in video of course it's over immediately <laughs> it's the the next image is right there so I think maybe uh, maybe I would support that in terms of that the single still image is something you can look at and consider maybe that's that's what 
produces the individuality is that you as a, uh, a viewer can take the time to look at their face. Look. I actually, I'm going to ask you a question that came straight from that. So while I was looking at your, uh, your museum, uh, I really, I really, I think my favorite part was the um, really diverse collection of David Bowie photos you have. Hmm. Uh, you have such a, you have David Bowie right at the end of his life. You have David Bowie, the height of his career. You have a really, uh, you know, long spanning collection of David Bowie photos. Um, as far as not the, not the performer himself, but the shows go as the, the people go around you. Um, do you think that with an artist like like a massive artist like David Bowie, you've not only watched him evolve as a performer, but you've watched kind of the culture and the fans and all that evolve too? Oh, most certainly, yes. That that happens on all accounts. You see artists rise. You see them get more popular. You see the audiences expand, and it's not always the same kind of people it used to be. The the classic example is the Grateful Dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw the Grateful Dead way, way, way back in the early 70s. And, uh, well, many times during the 70s. And then I took a break from them for 10 years or so. Went to a Red Rocks concert in 1987 and found that the culture had changed significantly. There was a, like a whole marketplace of people trying to sell dead stuff and, you know, their tostadas and, you know. Yeah, weirdly the, enough, it keeps going on. Yeah. So it's just the amazing changes there, for sure. Uh, in terms of audiences not changing, no, I don't, I, they always change. They always I mean, change. People are getting older. People, younger people are coming in. It's. Uh, I think that's part of uh, the beauty of the whole thing. It's a continuum. It's not just one moment or one uh, year. It's a continuum. That it keeps building. Inspires me to ask you something that I think you might have a very unique perspective into. Um, out of any kind of like band you you've been photographing for a while. Who do you think is ha has the uh, youngest new fan base out of uh, bands who've been around for a while? Who has the youngest new hmm. fans? Boy, that's a good question. I, I, I would go with one of the most recent ones that I saw, uh, a Swedish metal band called Ghost. Oh, I know was them. recently out at the Budweiser Center just uh, about two weeks ago. And, uh, and I, I thought that their audience was quite a bit younger, and yet... It, you know, a diverse number of people, uh, yeah. quite a bit. Uh, the opening band, Nothing More, was excellent as well. Ghost is so interesting. Uh, one of my closest friends who's not a very big rock or metal guy loves them. They're very mm. theatrical and he really likes very them. Very theatrical, yep. What's so cool about those bands, too, that have that resurgent of young um, listeners and new young fans, I think, because this is one of my favorite bands, not Ghost, but one of my favorite bands that happens to as well, is you have this really diverse crowd of like 60-year-olds and 12-year-olds, and it's just this really cool experience, and you've probably seen this a lot with a lot of the uh, bands you've gone to, too. What, what band are you talking about, Ren? Blue October. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I grew up listening to that band and now i listen to it now and it's like a 40 year span and i'm sure that's true of a lot of uh younger kids going to these bands too they probably heard them when they were younger and i just think that's the really parents cool. play them yeah um so 
uh, something I'm a little bit interested in seeing as you're so interested in music and it's such a big part of your life is uh, if you are a musician yourself. I am, yes. Uh, currently, I have a drum circle that I play in, but uh, for 17 years, I had a performing group called TBS and Two Fingers, and we did uh, uh, spoken word along with what we called sound art. It's, uh, like? it's using alternative instruments. Uh, we did use guitar and mandolin and several other things, but we also used toys uh, pots and pans. We had a whole instrument created out of lids from pots and pans called the lidophone. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we did a lot of touring in Colorado and Wyoming. Were you a Boulder Beat kind of guy? That, sound, that sounds kind of reminiscent of that. Very similar, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we did play in Boulder quite a bit. <laughs> right on. Hey, you know, I, I love uh, an old uh, boss of mine has a great story about watching Ginsburg do Howl. Mm. I, I love hearing about that stuff. Um, we're going to have to wrap this up pretty shortly, but um, I do think we have a few must-ask questions. we got to ask you, uh, what has been your favorite musician to watch? To watch on stage? Hmm. Well, I'll say that one of my very favorites was Tom Petty, a uh, classic rock guy. Oh, yeah. He knew how to pose. He, he knew how to do everything right on stage. Tom Petty was one of the greats. But one of the funnest bands I've ever photographed, and I did photograph them several times, was the band Guar, <gasps> the metal band Guar. I and just they added are, some of that to my Halloween playlist. Is it? Oh, oh right, yeah. Good, yeah. Well, they're, they're, uh, uh, the very first time I saw Guar play uh, actually was at the Aggie Theater here in Fort Collins. And, uh, and I'm waiting, and, you know, I got my spot close to the, the edge of the stage, and I'm looking around and see black plastic, you know, put up on the walls all over the Aggie. And I didn't quite understand what was going to happen until <laughs> Guar hit the stage and started hitting their water cannons <laughs> and just soaking the crowd. These guys are wild, and the costumes are wild. Fortunately, I had a whole stack of uh, real tall guys in front of me, so I just ducked <laughs> every time. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. So with you doing so many big projects and being involved in so much, such as It's Rock and Roll, your museum, um, it's Rocktober. Rock it's about rock and roll, excuse me. Um, I guess we're wondering before we wrap up, what do you have any big projects planned, anything going on coming up soon? Well, yes, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to continue the the museum idea, uh, the, the exhibit that I just put up uh, this month uh, is just the start. In uh, January, I'm going to do a new exhibit called uh, The 60s Were 60 Years Ago. <laughs> and it's going to be, uh, well, about the 1960s and the music of that time. And then as time goes on, I'm going to go into other, other decades as well. But right now, that's that's my next plan is in January to do the 60s. I, I love that. I, I was thinking for a second, no, they weren't. And I realized they were 60 years ago. <laughs> and I want to do a performance piece with that called uh, uh, 60 Things About the 60s in 6 Minutes and 60 Seconds. All right. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So we'll see if I get that done. All, All right. right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tim. Is uh, there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Nope. It's just fun to be on KCSU and... Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a yeah. pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming on. So we're going to take a quick break, but 
once we come back, we're going to have campus news with Max, and then we're going to have that interview with Neil. And I think uh, Max might have a question for the listeners for Neil. Yes, I do. So uh, for our listeners, um, for those of you who have been to a film festival or may not have been to a film festival, uh, what's the number one thing you expect to be at a film festival? Text in your answers to 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-KCSU. Or tweet them to at KCSUFM. Once again, what is the number one thing you expect to be at a film festival? We'll be reading your answers out loud, but we're going to take a quick break. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wattsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. We just heard from Tim, the curator of It's About Rock and Roll, a uh, digital music museum, a music photography museum that he's been collecting over the last 20 years. We're about to talk to Neil from Denver Film Society about the STARS 42nd uh, Film Festival and their first ever screening in Fort Collins. So exciting stuff. But first... I've got uh, some campus news. So without any further ado, here's your campus news for Thursday, um, October 17th, 2019. Colorado State President Joyce McConnell will be presenting a keynote speech of the 60th anniversary of the Asian Institute of Technology. The institute is located in Bangkok, Thailand. CSU actually played an integral role in the foundation of the institute in 1959, and McConnell's invitation is a nod to that. Legendary CSU engineering professor Maurice Albertson originally took the lead in establishing the school. Albertson would later go on to assist in founding the Peace Corps. Thomas Evans, Dean of Engineering back in 1959, traveled to Bangkok to be the Dean of the Institution for its first two years. Then, Milton E. Bender, the former CSU Head of Civil Engineering, became the first President of the Asian Institute of Technology, holding the seat from 1962 to 1975. CSU President William E. Morgan awarded the first eight Master's Degrees from the Institute in 1961. As of today, the Asian Institute of Technology has more than 24,000 alumni from over 80 countries. President McConnell will be speaking there on October 24th. The first female president of Kosovo, Afit Jadyaga, uh, will be coming to speak on campus Wednesday, November 6th. The talk will be taking place at 5 p.m. This is part of the Global Engagement Distinguished Guest Speaker Series, hosted by the Office of International Programs. It is a special event for CSU's uh, sesquicentennial, or 150th anniversary in layman's terms. Afit Yahaga had began her political career as the Deputy General Director of the uh, Kosovo Police in 2009 and was quickly elected president in 2011, the first woman to hold that role. She now runs the Yahaga Foundation, which focuses on empowering women, protecting youth, national security, and of course, regional cooperation. The talk is free and open to the public and will be taking place at CSU Wednesday, November 4th. CSU Medical School is planning to open a branch, or sorry, Colorado University Medical School is planning to open a branch on Colorado State University's campus. Stated to open in 2021, the school will take in medical students from both CU and CSU. Currently, the school is being assessed to fit the needs of its potential student population. The medical school will be housed on the fourth floor of CSU's Health and Medical Center. The program is intended to combine the strengths of both universities in medical teaching. And with that, that has been your campus news for Thursday, October 17th. My name is Maximus Hunter. And Thanks, you're listening Max. to the Rocky Mountain Review. Heck yeah, you are. Yeah. We're going to take a quick, quick break. But then after that, we're going to have that interview with Neil. And once again, um, we do have a question for our listeners. 
What is the number one thing you expect to see at a film festival? You can uh, text that to 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-5278. Or tweet it to us at KCSUFM. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Ren Wadsworth. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Maximus Hunter. I'm the other host, and we are joined by a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Neil. I'm with the Denver Film Festival. Thank you so much for joining us today, Neil. So the film festival is moving into its 42nd year, and uh, it's pretty exciting because you guys are doing some stuff in Fort Collins for the first time. Um, but before we talk about that, I'd just like to uh, give a little background to the film festival for people who may not have heard of it before. So uh, I know in the past, uh, the festival has hosted stars and creators like uh, Emma Stone, Frank Whaley, um, Andy Garcia, just to name a few. Uh, who's coming this year? Uh, our biggest guest right now, uh, we're going to open the film festival with a new film called Knives Out, and its writer-director, Ryan Johnson, oh. uh, will be with us. Ryan Johnson is actually- Star Wars fame. Yeah, of Star Wars fame. He's actually from Colorado. So, really? Um, so yeah, it's great to have him back. We've had him at the festival before with his first film and with his film, Brothers Bloom. Um, in between that and this, he made Star Wars, Last yeah. Jedi, <laughs> that little movie that played all over the place. And no one uh, saw that. No, 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 no. That's only but, for indie artists. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> So really, uh, uh, really yeah. indie film. <laughs> really snuck in under the wire. But uh, he's got a new film called Knives Out, and he'll be opening the festival. He's also getting the John Cassavetes Award on opening night. So that's our biggest guest that we've announced so far. But there will be actors, there'll be directors, you name it, they'll be here. TBA. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that uh, to be announced. But, you know, the film guide is out, and um, if if your folks look through it, they'll see there's so many filmmakers coming. It's, it's amazing. So that's the opening movie. Can you tell us what the closing movie is going to be? Yeah, the closing is Marriage Story, which is the Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver film that oh. is getting a ton of buzz at, at major film festivals uh, around the world. Um, it. it it's incredible. Uh, our lineup of red carpet films this year might be our best ever. So Whoa. if you if you've never been to the film festival and you're not sure what to do, come check out a red carpet film. They're all going to be amazing. Adam Driver's not going to be there, is it? Uh, I don't know yet. Um, it, it, it's unlikely. He's Big such old a Star Wars reunion. <laughs> yeah, I know. I never thought about it. But he's such a busy guy right now, Adam Driver. He's like the hot man in Hollywood. Yeah. So it's unlikely we'll get it. We'll get him on a plane. But you never know. Yeah. Funny <laughs> enough, my uh, nickname over in the news station. Uh, at CTV is Kylo Ren. So there you go. Just a little, That's little actually tidbit. very clever, Ren. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with it, or else I would take the credit. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about the virtual reality arcade that's going to be featured there? Yeah, that, that's something that you know is really unique um, and is really happening in film festivals really all over the world. But we brought it to Denver about three years ago. Um, we have this virtual reality arcade that we run all festival long. It's at the Festival Annex, which is in the McNichols building, which is in Civic Center Park. And it's become a real interesting, an interesting portion of the festival where artists and creators get to show off really unique new content. So we'll be doing eight virtual experiences, um, headsets on kind of experiences that uh, will be 
they'll blow, they'll blow your mind. They really will. They're amazing things. We had Spheres last year, which is Darren Aronofsky's piece, which is all about uh, the universe and, and how it functions. And we have amazing experiences this year. We also have interactive and immersive experiences, um, theater experiences, VR mixed with live actor experiences. It's really, really worth checking out. So even if you're not a huge film person, uh, the VR is absolutely worth exploring. And that's brand new. This is this is. It, it gets. It's this is our third year doing it, but every year we seem to get better, and the experiences um, seem to be more curated and more specifically chosen for our audiences. So I, I would say you're catching us on our on our best year yet. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So um, this is something. There's something really cool that the Stars Film Festival does every year that I don't think a lot of other film festivals do, and. Uh, Full disclosure, I used to be a part of it, but it's true. It's um, true. <laughs> the Stars Film Festival uh, hosts uh, Young Filmmakers Workshop um, to have uh, young filmmakers, usually 13 to 18, um, be a part of the film festival. And uh, for a few years, uh, I was one of those filmmakers. And more recently, I've been helping teach some of those kids over the summers, the idea of full disclosure here. But um, I, I'm just really curious because it's such a cool, unique thing that the film festival does. What are they doing this year? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm responsible for and that I, we care a lot about at Denver Film Festival is education and educational opportunities for young people all ages. So uh, Young Filmmakers is an amazing group of middle school and high school students. They basically serve as junior press. They get to uh, interview guests on the red carpet. They get to have private interviews. They watch films. They, they, they shoot short documentary subject films about filmmakers. Uh, and they get really, really involved. It's a, it's a real, they get a real insider's look at the festival. But we also do programs for college students. We have the Collegiate Fellows Program, which is for college students to basically give them access to the festival. Um, and we will ha we'll host about 40 college students this year. And they get sort of the same thing. They get to uh, talk to filmmakers, sit downs. They get to see films. Um, yeah, we're big on on education. And, and you give and, them the resources to learn how to do this. And yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing about Denver. Denver's not famously a film town. But we do have these amazing touch points during the year. One of them is the Denver Film Festival. And if I have the opportunity in any way to connect students with filmmakers, with content, uh, get them an inside look at the industry, um, get them to shake a hand, maybe trade an email address. Um, if I can help their career in some way just by putting them in the room, that's what I want to do. So that's what we've been doing um, for the last few years, for, for, for a long time with young filmmakers, with high school students, but now yeah, with college students. I did it students. when I was uh, probably 16, so a good, good six years ago now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a big part of our program. Um, is with the young filmmakers year-round, but uh, now we've started to add college students and and uh, you know other educational programs for for primary students, high school students, middle school students, all of it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool opportunity. So if someone wanted to get involved in doing that, how would they? find out more information about um, that. That whole program is called Project Next. So if you just go to denverfilm.org slash Project Next, that would be all the information. We're still taking applications. So if there's college students that are listening right now who are like, I'd like a free badge to go to see movies and talk to filmmakers, then uh, it, that program is for you. One and person may be sitting in front of you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds, it's you have to fill out an application, but truth be told, we just want you. We want you there. We want you in the room. We want you shaking hands with filmmakers. We want you asking them the right questions um, if we can help you to move your career in any way it doesn't have to be filmmakers maybe you're interested in uh, film acquisitions or maybe you're interested in, in uh, you have a communications degree and you want to do PR or, for or you just want to get a kiss on the cheek from your favorite actress yeah. that happened to me uh, that happened wait, to me at 16 wait, wait, what's who? the story Who's, um, who she, is it? do you remember the movie um, Eats it was by Jimmy Weber about yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
um, the the actress who played her best friend in the movie, I had a total crush on her, and uh, I, I think I may have said something along those lines to her on the red carpet, and they like, took a picture of her kissing kiss on the cheek. Kiss on the cheek. cheek. I look know. at you. Wow. <laughs> look what doors yeah. this, uh, yeah. this opportunity opens. There you go. <laughs> look, does. we got you a, a date, I guess, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, if, if, if I can help connect college students with the film festival, that's what I'd love to do. So... Um, Moving on to what's happening here in Fort Collins, uh, this is the first time the film festival has actually made it out here. What made Now the Time? Well, we have an amazing partner with the Lyric. I mean, it really comes from them. They're an amazing um, film center. They're, they're just incredible people. They do amazing work up here in Fort Collins with the Lyric Theater. And, you know, it's really it really starts with them. They just, they, they've done something so special here that it, it can't be ignored. And they came to us. We came to them. It was just such a mutual partnership. So uh, what we're doing this year is we're sort of bringing a little mini festival up here. We're taking highlights from the festival that would that screen in Denver and bringing it up here to Fort Collins. Everything from shorts packages to one of our special presentations to Colorado filmmakers will be up here, um, narratives, documentaries. Uh, It's a really interesting slate of films. Some of our best films are going to come up here and screen at the Lyric. Awesome. I know the the full list dropped on the 10th. Where could people find that if they want to check it out? Well, you can always go to denverfilm.org and see um, everything that's playing the festival. I'll leave some festival guides, too, here in your student center if anyone wants to pick it up physically in their hands um, and check it out. But there is a whole page dedicated to the Lyric and what we're doing with the Lyric. Um, and the films we're showing there, and um, definitely come check something out. It's going to be incredible. Awesome. Can you tell us any of the specific films that are screening at the Lyric? Sure. One of the big films we're screening is Edward Norton's film that he directed and stars in called oh, Motherless cool. Brooklyn. Um, we're going to have that on our, our festival opening night, which is Halloween. So there's something to oh. do with your Halloween is go see Motherless Brooklyn. But we're also bringing a film called Classic, which was produced by Mitch Dickman, um, who's from Denver. We're bringing The Conductor, which is about Antonia Bricko. She is the founder of the Denver Philharmonic and they made a, a documentary about her. Um, it's actually produced out of Germany, I believe, and it is unbelievable. The entire film team is going to be here, including the actress that plays the lead role. Um, Bob Byington's new American indie film, Francis Ferguson, is going to be up here. Um, we've got the documentary on the last male northern white rhino um, called Kifaru, which we're going to show. And then we'll have shorts packages of Colorado documentaries. We'll also have animated shorts. We'll have our music video mixtape will be up here. So if you like music videos we've curated a slate of those um along with some other great documentaries and narrative films as well all right so um many people up here may never have been to a film festival before sure what's different about going to a film festival than just going to the movies ah you know it's funny because you know as as streaming services became more and more popular and they keep getting more and more popular, I think people ask me, like, why do film festivals anymore? I can just watch it in my living room. And it's – film festivals is the event version of going to the movies. So just like you had this gentleman sitting in this chair before me talking about concerts, that's the event version of music. Yeah, you've got Spotify, but if you really want to be about music, you go and you see a concert. You go and you see David Bowie. You go and you see Lizzo, who was just in Denver. You go and you go to the event. Film festivals are that that event. So if you're really a big movie fan, 
Film festivals, that's the concert of going to the movies. <laughs> We've got the filmmakers in person. You can ask them your questions. You can talk to them about the challenges of making their films. You can shake hands with people who are content creators. You can just share in a room with people who love film the spirit of cinema. And it's exciting. Go see a red carpet. Watch stars walk the red carpet. Get an autograph if that's really what you're all about. Um, it's just the exciting part of filmmaking and film exposition that we don't really get to enjoy when we're just streaming something on Netflix. So it's the event. It's the fun. It's the party. So if you love films and want to celebrate film, film festivals is where you do it. Right. So just to get your opinion, um, do you think that uh, Fort Collins is becoming a better place for fans of film? Because we actually had another screening event earlier. Uh, uh, we had the Boulder International yeah. Film Festival in Fort Collins. Oh, yeah, uh, cool. Happened earlier this year, and that was Very the cool. second year. I Actually, I got to go to that one. That was the second year they've uh, had that up here. Yeah. And so uh, I don't think we've ever had any film festivals up here before <clears throat> that. I think we've had small, small ones, but... You know, you know, as 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 everywhere in Colorado seems to keep growing in population and getting more robust in um, where people are living. It's exciting. You know, to be honest, it's exciting for us. We're just excited to be able to bring our content here Uh, for years folks from Fort Collins have had to come make the trek down to Denver to see films and we hope they still will because certainly we can't bring all 250 films up here uh, to the lyric, but it's you know it's it's just there's so much great energy here there's the the campus there's the the populace there's folks like you guys who run this radio program and want to talk about the exciting things that are happening that make it so easy to um to bring the film festival to Fort Collins so it's really just exciting for us to be able to come and, and and spend time with you guys and show movies um we're just happy that we can do it and that we have the lyric Right on. Oh, so sorry. A uh, question I had too. Um, sure. So I interned with the International Film Society of Colorado this past oh, summer. Oh, great. Yeah, and I was wondering if you collaborate with any of the other uh, screening. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the word, but anybody sure. else in Colorado? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Denver Film is. You know, we want to be the central organization for anything that's happening in film in the state. And I know Denver's in front of our name, and we are very Denver-centric. We tend to be. That's where we're located. That's where the C-Film Center is. But truth be told, we just want to be able to connect um, film with audiences, filmmakers to each other. We just want to be the central organization to help connect anything. So, yeah, we work with film festivals all across the state. Um, We certainly work with other film organizations, youth film organizations, anywhere from Colorado Springs all the way up here. Um, We, our, our goal is just to bring art to the people and our art happens to be cinema. And if we can help connect people, that's what we're all about. So yeah, we've worked with a lot of different organizations, um, across the state for sure. Awesome. Um, this question, this question is personal to you. Um, I know you've been doing this for a little while now. Um, uh, I've known you for a little while now. Uh, what are you the most excited for, for this year? Personally. What am I most excited for? You for know you what to I go think see. I'm most excited for? We are doing a screening at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science in partnership with them. We're screening a film called A Man with a Movie Camera, which is a classic black and white silent movie from Russia. And we are having Davachka come and do the live score. So Davachka will be live what? scoring Man with a Movie Camera, um, which is, you know, it, 
not only is it going, is it that they've already written the score and, and they've done it, it's, it's got so much improvisation. You're going to be seeing something from Devochka you've never seen before that you can't see if you were to go to one of their shows. Um, and you also get the experience of what they have grown up to do as a band, which is scoring films. They've scored films it's, from it, Paddington the Bear to Little Miss Sunshine to, uh, you know, so many things. There's a film in the festival called Mr. Toilet that Nick Urata from Devochka scored. And to see them do it live and watch them do it in front of a live audience at the I Max Theater at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. That is what I'm most excited for. That is pretty cool. And it's Devochka. I mean, I'd, it'd be exciting just to see them play, let alone <laughs> seeing them live score a movie. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're unfortunately going to have to wrap it up. But before we do, we wanted to ask you, so we've touched a little bit about how people can get involved, but we were wondering if you had any more information about that and how uh, people can see the screenings, a little more information on that to share with the listeners. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm always going to encourage people to go to denverfilm.org that's the website that's just where all the information is hosted where everything lives but you know go to the lyric go to lyriccinema.com and see what they're up to what they're showing at the festival um, they're, they're going to have a whole slate a lineup if you really want to get involved with the film festival which I would so encourage you to do it's a fun be- time become a volunteer volunteer with the film festival you know you do one shift and you'll get tickets to see free movies you could run your shift at one of the parties or one of the late nights or it could be anything there's pretty um, cool lounges aren't there yeah it's amazing lounges and parties opening night party closing night party is a party every night so uh, volunteer is a good way if you're a college student apply to be a collegiate fellow and get a badge and get to meet filmmakers you're gonna get a one-on-one conversation with Ryan Johnson so if you're really into Star Wars there's the room you need to be in Uh, but there's a thousand ways to get involved anything from you know just picking up a ticket and saying I'm gonna check something out to becoming a volunteer or a collegiate fellow or anything we just really want you there so anything we can do to get you there that's what we want Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Neil. It's been a real pleasure having you in here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been great. The studio is awesome. If you've ever been to the studio, <laughs> you got to come check it out. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, check out the lyric and see what they're doing with the Denver Film Festival this year. Awesome. awesome. All right. Well, we are going to come back right after the break with our national days, our weather, and our uh, sayonaros. Oh, thank you. But this has been Neil with uh, the Denver Film Festival, and we'll be right back. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Ren Wattsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. We just heard from Neil from Denver Film Society talking about the 42nd year of the Stars Film Festival and the film festival's first time ever in Fort Collins with screenings at the Lyric Theater. Um, If you're interested in reading the program or learning more about the festival, you can go to denverfilmsociety.com. Or Neil was kind enough to leave us a few copies of the program um, that he's going to, we're going to have up at the information desk at the LSC. Or if you're interested, come down to the studio and grab one. Um, those have all the information about the festival. But back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, it's time for National Days. Ooh, heck so, yeah, it Brand, is. what day is it today? It is October 17th. Um, little disclosure, most of these were written by the National Calendar. So today is Black Poetry Day. Black Poetry Day on October 17th honors past and present black poets. The day also commemorates the birth of the first published black poet in the United States. Jupiter Hammond was born in Long Island, New York on October 17th, 1771. The day celebrates the importance of black heritage and literacy. It also recognizes the contributions made by black poets and shows appreciation to black authors. 
Take up a quiet spot at the library to read many of the talented Black poets from around the world, or find a poetry reading at a nearby bookstore, cultural, or arts center like the Furious Flower Poetry Center at James Madison University. The first center of its kind in the United States, the Furious Flower's name is inspired by a poem written by former U.S. poet Laurette Gwendolyn Brooks. They also have a growing collection of resources, offer workshops, and so much more. Today is also National Edge Day, and this day promotes a movement of youth refraining from using alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational ah, drugs. Edge. Yeah. That's, that's what you mean. <laughs> yes. As part of the Straight Edge movement, teens and young adults pledge to live a clean lifestyle. Many who follow the movement also abstain from recreational sex and unhealthy food choices. The day also encourages the support of those who choose to live the straight-edge lifestyle. Abstaining from tobacco, alcohol, and recreational drugs is not an indication someone is dull. Many who live on the edge do so without these chemical enhancements. Some may travel and explore the world. They may be thrill-seekers or collectors of knowledge. Perhaps they absorb languages and music instead. <laughs> Today is also National Mulligan Day. In golf, a mulligan happens when a player... A player gets a second chance to perform a specific move or action. The day offers an opportunity for giving yourself a second chance or, as some, may, some people may call it, a do-over. According to the United States Golf Association, three different stories explain the origin of the term. The first derives from the name of a Canadian golfer, David Mulligan, a one-time manager of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City who played golf in the 1920s. A different latter entomology gives credit to uh, John A. Buddy Mulligan, a locker room attendant at Essex Fells, CC, New Jersey in the 1930s. And a final story, according to author Henry Beard, states that the term comes from Thomas Mulligan, a minor Anglo-Irish aristocrat and a passionate golfer who was born in 1973. I've actually heard a, a, another story oh, from really? where that term comes Do from. Oh, really? Do tell. Yeah. Um, and I, I have no idea where this originates from, but it, I, I believe I read this in a very old book. Um I always thought the term mulligan came from mulligan stew, which was uh, an, something from the 1800s that uh, people who were very, very poor would eat, and it was just a stew with anything in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's they, they call it a, a mulligan because it's um, just like kind of you get whatever. Okay. Uh, that's just where I heard that came from. Interesting. A lot of these stories predate that, but I wonder – if they're all correlated. I have no idea. I just heard about mulligan stew, and that's where I always thought uh, the term mulligan came from. Well, according to the United States Golf Association, the term first achieved uh, widespread use in the 1940s, so it could be any one of those stories or a combination of them. Um, October is also National Pasta Month. Yes. Heck yeah, and October 17th specifically recognizes National Pasta Day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, while... While we find noodles all over the world, pasta is a type of noodle of traditional Italian cuisine. The first reference dates to uh, 1,154 in Sicily. I've never seen a date that old, so I didn't know how to say it. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, I like how you said that. Like, you've never seen, like, and there's no years before I've that. I've seen it, but I've never had to speak it. <laughs> um, it was first attested uh, to in English in 1874. Typically, it's made from an unleavened dough of uh, durum wheat flour. The flour is mixed with water or eggs and formed into sheets or various shapes. It can then be served fresh or dried to be stored for later use. 
Here's some types of pasta. Pasta. Look for pasta in pasta in both savory and dessert dishes. Since it's so versatile, pasta lends itself to sweet and every other dish on the table. Cooks feature pasta as a main dish, but they also serve up delicious hot and cold side dishes as well. And then, of course, those special desserts we can't resist making our mouths water. Cooks originally made fresh pasta by hand. What desserts? What? Oh. um... (laughs) Sorry. What desserts use pasta? So I think any dessert that has like dried oh why can't i think of it there's like one specific dessert that's like really famous for like it's not really called pasta because it's more soft we can we can look it up later i'm, I'm curious yeah yeah we'll text us if you know what desserts use pasta 970-491-5278 let us know because i'm a little curious pasta. too i'm sure desserts use them it seems like a very easy medium to transfer to sweet from pasta savory and chocolate sauce yeah, or probably pasta and like fruit. Linguini and marshmallows. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so some of these, uh, excuse me. So the size and shape of pasta may determine the best sauce to pair it with. For example, serve linguini with lighter, thinner sauces to avoid breaking the noodles. A similarly shaped noodle, fettuccine, is less delicate, and that's why it carries heavier sauces like Alfredo. My favorite pretty good and you can learn more about pasta from the national pasta association since i didn't know that the pasta had a national association I'm glad they do uh since it is national pasta day i would like to share a quick little pasta trick that changed my life um if you're looking to make better pasta or make your own homemade pasta sauce or just better pasta sauce add a little bit of pasta water to the sauce once the pasta is done cooking the water takes in starch from the pasta and actually once you add it to the sauce it makes the sauce more starchy and means it'll stick better to the noodles um, I, I didn't really think it would make a difference, but it's night and day. I really, I, I promise it's night and day. Um, all right. I looked up of... some, uh, desserts. Oh yeah. What kind of desserts do you make? Pasta? Okay. So it said the macaroni. So apparently it's what you cook it in, which makes sense. So you cook it in almond milk and sugar. Um, mm. this is one type. And then you put like ambergris, uh, which I just recently found out what it was on top of it or cinnamon. Uh, you could put fruit like i said i was guessing there would be a lot of fruit involved in this it also seems like you can make a chocolate pasta which would be kind of interesting and you could huh. probably serve that with um ice cream or like oh, caramel whipped cream on a bowl yeah. of pasta <laughs> so i've never heard of uh dessert pastas either Kinda but i want to try it yeah it might be something i need to try in the future all right well that sounds like that's the end of our national days thank you it Ren. definitely is and but something's coming right around the corner what's that does it need a drum roll i think it may just oh my it's time for the weather today was surprisingly warm with a high of 76 degrees and it's sunny you can expect that sun for tomorrow but not the warmth as the weather is going to actually drop to 63 degrees on friday going into your weekend it's only going to get colder with a high of 62 on saturday and sunday it drops 10 degrees to a high of 52 both days are going to be overcast and windy and it's getting to be that time of year so get those coats ready get those scarves ready your mittens your mittens for your kittens (laughs) going into next week temperatures are about the same at 53 and cloudy, but you're going to have to tune into next Tuesday's show to see if you can expect temperatures to continue dropping next week. So cruel. I know, I make you all wait. But I'm really going to have to make you wait because I think that's the end of our show. No. Yeah. Well, we have to thank some people. We do. Who who could make such an amazing song such as this? A song to thank people to. 
Yeah. It would have to be Damien Castile. Thank you for making our amazing theme music. We'd also like to thank our great guests today, uh, Neil from Denver Film Society, and Tim, the curator of It's About Music, the online music photography library. Awesome. And then we also have to thank... Everybody at KCSU, we couldn't do it without you, but some specific people, such as Julia Badalese, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Wack, Hunter Sinclair, and Asher Korn. A raven color, too, for sure. Yeah, um, as Ryan, as well as Ryan Christ and oh, yeah. Austin and Forrest with the Collegian. They're just incredible, and they really help us do our jobs here at KCSU. Yeah, we couldn't do it without them. Um, and I definitely couldn't do this without you, Ren. I mean, not only do you, you know, come up with the national days you come up with great questions you write these awesome thorough newscasts but oh you know you're a pleasure to have around if i did this by myself i'd be pretty bored oh thank you so much i also couldn't do it without you you are so amazing to work with and i would probably not do my job if i couldn't do it with you (laughs) it's so fun to work with max and we just have a blast and we also i think we do a pretty good show i think we do a good job too but we really couldn't do this without you dear listener um thank you so much it's your support that allows us to do this in the first place. So thank you. Um, And with that, we'll We'll see see you you next time. time.